Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Tell Us a Good Story. This episode is actually scheduled to drop on Veterans Day, and we have the honor of talking to a decorated war hero, General John Borling. A retired Major General in the U.S. Air Force, General Borling was a POW in the Vietnam War with John McCain for almost seven years of his life. John McCain actually wrote the foreword to his book. But folks, this was one of those conversations where there were so many things we wanted to ask him, but so little time. For example, General Borling at one point in his career was in charge of executing our country's nuclear war plan. But we didn't ask him about that. (laughs) Sorry. But we did ask what it was like to talk to his wife on the phone after being gone for almost seven years. Kevin, it's not what I was expecting. Yeah, me neither. And he talked about that 97th mission as a fighter pilot when he got shot down over North Vietnam. You guys, we can't wait for you to hear this conversation with a man who served our country for four decades, General John Borling. I'm Kevin. And I'm Stephanie. And during our marriage, we have dealt with an electrocution, a brain tumor, brain surgery. Then doctors telling us that children were not in our future followed by miscarriage, and then Kevin's cancer diagnosis. However, today, we live a life completely healed and restored with three healthy children who doctors said were not possible. And we're here to tell stories that inspire, give hope, and brighten your day. Welcome to Tell Us a Good Story. This episode is being presented to you by Luby Companies, a custom home builder here in central Ohio. Let them be your builder for life. They're freaking awesome. All right, Steph. I'm so excited. I could barely sleep last night. Oh, I can't believe this man said yes to us. He might have said yes to Bob Bodine. You know what? He must have owed a favor to Bob Bodine to say yes to. It's the other way around. Bob Bodine owes me lots of favors. I mean, now he's he's a sterling individual, a great example of what it means to be an American. I love yes. Bob Bodine. Yes. Absolutely. Well, friends, our next guest is a retired Major General and graduate from the Air Force Academy. He was a fighter pilot with many decorations, including the Silver Star, two Bronze Stars with V for Valor, and two Purple Hearts. Mm. And he survived six years and eight months as a prisoner of war during the Vietnam War. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Tell Us a Good Story, General John Borling. Oh, General, I'm going to give you a standing ovation. Thank you for what you have done for our country. Yes. The problem with you guys is you don't have any enthusiasm, and I'm going to work on that in the course of this uh, broadcast. Uh, Thanks so much for having me. Oh, my gosh, General. We are so excited. If you could have seen my husband's face when he was doing some more research on you this morning, he's like head in his hands, mouth open. You're unbelievable. Well, I'm, I'm not particularly enthused, Kevin, about seeing your face, but the other one's not bad. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> uh, and I will do my best to discharge modest capacities uh, in advancing your amazing program. Thank you. Thank you. And the progress that you've made. So thank you. Your comments are overly generous, but uh, don't hold back. I mean, I can take it. (laughs) Let me crank it. Let me crank it up. You're generous with your words. You want a story and you've told a little piece of my background you know, I'm much more oriented to the future than I am to the past. I think we have to, and you'll hear me use this mantra, keep marching in life. you got to pick them up and lay them down, and pretty soon you figure out you've made a little progress. But keying in on the research I've done on you guys and the people have been on previously, 
And I thought I would start the story that it's June 1970, and I'm being hurt, I'm being tortured, along with many others. You can hear the sounds, and we're being hurt because they are trying to get someone to go down to see a delegation, a peace delegation in North Vietnam, to tell them how good we're being treated. In this cell that I'm in, it's actually part of the office complex of this Hanoi Hilton that you know from popular terminology. And there's a desk about 10 feet behind me, and I'm all tied up in, in irons and a thing they call hell cuffs, which are constricting cuffs. But I've got a lock pick I keep in my gum. It's a nail, and I'm able to slip these things to relieve the pain. And I can get loose enough to scoot over to this desk. And I open the drawer. I'm still bound up, but I open the drawer, and it's full of letters. This is 1970. I was down in 66. I've never had a letter, never been offered the chance to write a letter. So I start going through them quickly, trying to find uh, something maybe from my wife. And I find a letter from a guy who is about three cells down, and I can tap on the walls and get to him. And I open it up. It's from his wife. It's a letter divorcing him. Oh. Yeah. I've never said who that guy was, but I tell you, he got that letter. And about that time, they they hit me. I know they're coming in, and they see that I'm loose. I just managed to squeeze down on my wrist these things so they can't see that I've loosened them up. And, you know, I'm still bound with ropes, and I, my legs are all immobile, but I can scoot. But they, they start ripping these things out of my hand, and the last thing they rip out of my hand is an envelope with a stamp on it. You know what was on the stamp? No. A flag. A man on the moon. A man on the moon. When did we go to the moon? 1969. So this is a year later, and it's almost four years after I've been shot down. And all I can remember thinking before they kind of things went kind of black was, we own the moon. Mm. We own the moon. And when I got back and started, I never did see the delegation. Somebody else was given that privilege. But when I got back and I could get my arms back working, I tapped on the wall, we own the moon. And that message uh, not only inspired me, but inspired lots of the guys. We had communications through the walls, but the story doesn't stop there. Years later, I'm fortunate to be working in the White House, and uh, I was a what they call a White House fellow. And at a meeting in the Roosevelt Room, just steps off the Oval Office, across from me is Jack Schmidt, the astronaut. And I told him the story I just told you. And he stands up and comes around the table and gives me a big hug. And a, oh. He's crying a little bit. But I'm a tough, you know, hard-bitten fighter pilot. So I'm crying. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I, cry, I cry at movies, too, you know, but that's the way it goes. And, and now everybody's saying, what's going on? You know, there we are. And so I told them the story I just told you. And that afternoon in my office, I got a picture, and I'm going to show it to you now. Your audience can't see it, but you can talk to them about it. Oh. Oh, can you that see is, that? Is, yes, yes, sir. So that is a picture of the man on the moon. It's, it's Jack Schmidt, Apollo 17, standing on the moon with the Earthrise coming over his shoulder and the American flag. And you couldn't see the inscription, now a bit faded in time. 
but maybe it's the theme for the rest of our conversation. Well, it's been pretty one-sided so far. you got to grab the stick and get in there. But that inscription <laughs> was, glad we could help Jack Schmidt. And isn't that a larger message for us all? Isn't that kind of why we're in the game? Mm-hmm. So we all, in our individual ways, try to help a little bit. That's amazing. So that's my little story, one of them anyway, that uh, I thought might be worthy for the moment. And we're coming up to Veterans Day which is important, where we recognize the service of those serving and those who have served. It gets confused with Memorial Day, which is, you know, later on in May, of course, where we celebrate our war dead. But Mm -hmm. uh, Veterans Day is to celebrate we the living, those who have served and those who are serving. Mm -hmm. So that's a big deal. So speaking of celebrating Veterans Day, do you celebrate anything for the day that you were released from a POW? For many years, I... Uh, I didn't. I kind of blocked it out. It's sublimation. It's, but I know what it is, February 12th, 1973. And uh, I wouldn't say I celebrate it. Maybe I noted in passing. Frankly, lots of other people do and remind me of it. But again, orientation to the future, orientation to things that you, that you want to do seem to be most important. Steph, what's most important to you when it comes to building a new home? Okay. I want a builder who's an expert in what they do, is going to be honest with me, and cares about even the smallest of details. Well, thankfully, we know just the builder. You know it. It's Jay and Connie Luby with Luby Companies. Friends, don't just take our word for it. Go check out their website at lubycompanies.com. That's L-U-E-B-B-E companies.com. Let them be your builder for life. They're freaking awesome. So... How did you get your call sign and what was it? You kind of said it before we started recording and I was so excited, but I want our listeners to know what your call sign is and how did you get it? The call sign is Viking. Viking. Uh, yeah, it used to be Thor, but that sounded too much like four uh, oh. when you're flying and you want to have something that's distinctive. Uh, it is given to you by your squadron mates in a very secret ceremony that tends to go on Friday nights after flying is over and lots of Coca-Cola is consumed. (laughs) I'm sure. And if you believe that (laughs) and you don't have a vote, uh, they suggest a number of them and, and then you're ushered out of the room and they have this secret ballot and then you're brought back in and there's great revelry and, Drinking of more Coca-Cola yes, or Pepsi-Cola. You know. <laughs> so that's the story behind Viking. And people have either pride or revulsion in those words. And my, my email is jlbviking at yahoo.com. I'm amazed that sticks with you for life then. Yes. That call name. That's very cool. Thankfully, he got a cool call name. That's true. He got that a cool true. one. Okay. So... Like I told you before we started recording here, there are so many things so many. I would love to ask you about, mm-hmm. but such little time. So can we jump to the point where you took off on your 97th mission, right? You had 96 successful missions as a fighter pilot. The 97th you volunteered for, you're up in the clouds over North Vietnam, and then your what plane happened? gets hit. What happens from there? Because this is amazing. Well, that was officially the 97th mission. Unofficially, it was about 113 because I'd volunteered for another 100. I was flying both seats, front and back seats of the F-4. In fact, I was the first lieutenant to upgrade in the F-4, uh, which is the new fighter 
and it was not looked at favorably that, you know, I wanted to extend for another hundred. I called Myrna, which is hard to do. You know, you didn't pick up a cell phone back in those days. You had to schedule what they call a Mars radio and it would take a week or two weeks to get a, a time. And I called Myrna because we had orders to England and I had told her that I wanted to stay for another hundred missions. And uh, trooper that she was, she uh, said, okay. And A.J. Myers and I were in the F-4. It was at very low altitude. It was at night. Uh, we'd gone on a volunteer mission against a, a JCS-directed target, uh, which was a bridge well north of Hanoi. And in the course of that, we got taken out by ground fire and ejected. And uh, when you eject, you get a pop. You know, you come out and you get this kind of a pop and you're still lots of forward movement, and then there's a swing, and then you hopefully descend at a good rate. Well, I got out, I got the pop, and I hit. I mean, there was no swing. If I'd gotten a swing, I would have died, because I hit on a, a grace of God, long furrowed hill uh, with karst and jungle on either side, just a few hundred yards on either side, and bounced down this hill like a Mexican jumping thing, and uh, rolled up at the bottom, all broken up. I had a broken back, couldn't walk, everything sprained. I'm not very pretty in terms of injuries and things, but uh, we're right by Highway 1, which is the highway or the track that goes from Hanoi up to China. It's too deep. We're not going to get, we knew there was no rescue available. Uh, and the trick was to get out. Uh, they're shooting, they're around. I, I managed to roll into a log, a huge log. I'd never do that. You know, other than they were shooting, you know, and you got to go someplace. Is your co-pilot with you or is he well, he's, somewhere he, else? He came out on the other side of the hill okay. and, and he broke his ankle and was pleased up very quickly. So I did something very brave in that log. I just, you know, I passed out from fear and shock, probably a combination. And when I came to, they had the searchers had moved on up and over the hill and Highway 1 is maybe 50 yards away, and the trucks are running. And so I got a staff and managed to crawl down and get into the middle of the road. And the thought was, you know, he'd give up, but, you know, that's surrender. That's not an option. And, you know, I always thought it was kind of Rambo. I was been a survival instructor at the academy. I'd been through jump school. I was a paratrooper for guys six, and here I am with a busted back and, and all kinds of sprains and things and just can't walk. So I have to sit in the middle of the road with my, I had a six shooter, 38 in my G suit pocket. I had it out and my thought is I'll hijack a truck and take it to the coast, which is only 10 minutes and 43 seconds away. <laughs> but that's at 420 knots, right? Or, you know, 500 <laughs> miles an hour. So it'd take a little longer, but you know, so I managed to hijack a truck. You know, I'm pretty good about that until I realized I've just hijacked a truck full of North Vietnamese troops. Oh, and I have guns coming out at every angle, pointed at every vital organ. And uh, I elected not to die in a ditch that night. And that started the period that you referenced. Oh, my gosh. So wrong truck to hijack. Very wrong. Mm -hmm. I've reviewed that management decision a time or two. <laughs> I can tell you. <laughs> so, you know, you make light of serious things. You have to. Yeah, you threw me off when you said it was 10 minutes and 43 seconds. I did. I was like, oh, he was close right to the shoreline. Yes, he's really close. <laughs> and a fighter jet. So tell us what happened once you surrendered there mm -hmm. in the road. What did they do to you? Uh, this is rather graphic. I don't want Steph to get excited here, but they stripped me naked in the road. Uh, 
I can understand why she is not excited. Uh, the, uh, and uh, cut my boots off. And the last thing they took from me off my dog tags was a ring. And it was a ring that my uncle had given me when I went to war. And it was a ring that he wore on a B-24. And he made this ring made out of vitalium. And it was a wolf's head ring. And they got shot down on their seventh mission over Leipzig. Okay. And only the four guys wearing the wolf's head ring got out of the airplane. Everyone else was killed. They were all captured and spent going trying two years in a German prison camp. And so he gave me that ring. He called me his get me home ring. And that night laying naked in the thing, they ripped that thing off my dog tags. And I grabbed it at the end. And I said to myself, you know, that's not a get me home ring. That's a get me shut down ring. <laughs> and and yeah. uh, I told my uncle that years later when I saw him. And I knew this, that he had a ring that was made by the same bombardier, which you can just see as I show it here on camera, which is made out of Vitalium, and it's the officer's crest. Okay. And this is the ring that they made in celebration of them surviving the POW camp. Mm-hmm. And so I went home and told him about how I thought that other ring wasn't very good, uh, <laughs> but, I, but I wanted this one mm-hmm. when he died. And I got it and wear it proudly, along with my academy ring and my wedding ring, which I had taken off. I always flew with them, except that night I had, for whatever reason, taken them off and thrown them in out of my locker. So I'm showing now, Steph and Kevin, the original rings, my mm. academy wow. ring and wedding ring. Uh, so where did they take you then? Well, I would have, I'm going to finish this story oh, and I'll sorry. Get, get, get to that. Yeah. Uh, they took us down to Hanoi to the prison, which is Hualo. Uh, it's actually the old French prison, which is uh, the Maison Centrale. I speak enough French to be dangerous in bars, which means <laughs> which means central house. And okay. it's a place that is known as the Hanoi Hilton. And all the other prisons were in kind of Hanoi area. But that's where they took you initially and worked you over and it was a very painful ride back because I had tried to roll off into the woods when they left me alone before they got me into a Jeep. But then they put us in a Jeep and tied you up and, and bounced me. And my back was, you know, I couldn't walk. They were dragging me. So uh, that's how we got to Hanoi. But I want to go back to the ring story. It's years later and there's this banging next door and somebody's moving in. So you get on the wall and you use the tap code. Do you know the tap code? I've read about it. You've read about it. Well, I I would recommend, you know, it's in my book that taps on the walls. Mm -hmm. And I'd recommend you figure out how to use it because, you know, the next time you get thrown in jail, you'll be able to talk to the guy next to you. You know, it'll be great. Uh, So anyway, so I'm trying to talk to the guy next to me and I tap on the wall and this guy comes back and I said, hi, John Borling. Of course, if you get caught, you get hurt uh, because you weren't supposed to talk to other people. And he says, hello, Pop Kern. And I said, no, 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 no. John, John, tapping on the wall. He said, no, you're Dick Borling. I was with you in Stadaglyph 1 South Camp in World War II. This guy had been in the same camp with my uncle. Oh, my gosh. What? Yeah. So that's the rest of the ring story. All right, Steph. I've got a question for you. What's your favorite book of all time? Uh, obviously, you met her where? Oh, I thought you were going to say the Bible. Oh, oops. What's your second favorite book of all time? You met her where? (laughs) 
<laughs> a distant second. Totally distant. It's a pretty good book. Sorry, God. It's still a pretty, pretty good book. But we're so excited. Where can people get our book, honey? Okay, I know this. Uh, Amazon.com. Yes. Barnes & Noble. Yes, and? And our website, KevinStuff.com. And, and what happens if they buy it off our website? <gasps> what do they get? Uh, an autograph from us. Yes. Who wouldn't want that? So, listeners, if you've already read the book, thank you so much. We've had such good feedback. One thing that helps us, if you can give us a review on Amazon.com, we would greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much, and thank you for listening. So, you're in these confined environments. You know, you're trying to tap. You have some type of communication. How do you stay positive how do you like and what's just don't going go through your down. mind yes like how do you how do you keep track of time how do you get through each day knowing that they're going to come and torture you knowing that you know there might not be an escape and you might not see your wife again well you guys have got me focused again on those times back then rather than the times now but the reality stuff was that the months and years went by pretty quickly mm. The days came hard. The days came hard. And in the first years when the treatment was so brutal, like first three, four years, and then it changed. It had to change or we were not going to make it. Mm -hmm. And the reason I did that book in my mind, Caps on the Walls, was that I wanted my wife, a little girl who was three months old when I left, and she was seven and a half when I walked in the door. But that book, which then I created in my mind and kept it memorized, and pass it through the walls so they would have legacy. Well, I did make it. We buried the book for 40 years, and then John McCain came to me and said, hey, you got to publish, and volunteered to do the foreword, and some people in New York picked it up, and it's had a good run. If people want a copy, by the way, they can come to me, and I will be pleased to send it to them for 25 bucks and inscribe it. And uh, JLB, that's Juliet Lima Bravo, Viking, J-L-B, Viking at yahoo.com. If that sounds like a commercial, I guess it is. But, uh, you know. <laughs> a little infomercial here. So, so I'm amazed, Steph. Mm-hmm. He's broken his back, can't walk, and he's already trying to escape. He's trying to roll himself into the jungle. Then he gets to the prison and he gets tortured. So General Borling, what would they actually do to you? That's that's hard. That's it's a hard question. What they what they did was they were too cruel to kill you. They just wanted to hurt you, and they used a variety of mechanical and ropes and other things. And again, in the early years, and you you just there were so many brave people. I think there were so many that didn't make it out of. I think they overzealous. Because there were people that we know who got shot down, who were alive, who never made it into the system. And uh, uh, but a quick story. Okay. Uh, there was a place I hadn't. This was in the summer, June first, '66, and they were dragging me around like a bag of potatoes, and I hadn't had water on me, a shower in a long time. And I forget how long it was—fifteen days, twenty days. They drug me down to this place where they dumped the buckets used for a toilet. And there was a spigot, and and I can remember that water draining on me. I can feel that water today. But there was a beam in this little enclosure, and there was some writing in English, in red pencil on the beam. And I got up there, and and I could make it out. And you know what it said? No, of course not. It said, smile, 
you're on candid camera. (laughs) 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 And that was the first time I had laughed in weeks. Mm-hmm. And of course, you tell that story now, and most people don't know what Candid Camera is. Right, that's you, uh, you true. Know. Right. But Alan Funt in that wonderful show that he had years ago. But uh, I am, and I think all the guys are amazed at how much people want to focus on that. You know, survival was important, Steph. Mm-hmm. But survival with honor meant everything. Mm. We wanted you to be proud of us. Mm-hmm. And. I think that was the big motivator. Besides, we're a bunch of fighter pilots. We're supposed to be able to carry the standard. And I remember calling Myrna from Clark Field, where we got out on that first day, that 12th of February. And she said, you know, what? after, hey, welcome back. It's so nice to talk to you. Like I'd gone out for a pack of cigarettes or something. And uh, she said, what are we going to do next? And I said, I'm going back to fighters. And I said, if I can be as good as the guys who are have been out, we'll stay in. And if I can't, we'll get out and I'll go do something else. And there's this long pause. And then she said, okay. Now, this is in the first 90 seconds of a conversation with a wife who is now a wife of 59 years. And that's kind of the focus. So I said, I'll live up to that. So we went back after a little leave and stuff. And we ended up going back and getting checked out in fighter and jets again, just getting checked out. And I guess if I can beat my chest, uh, it meant more to be after I got back operational to be top gun uh, within about three months in my wing than any of the other medals or recognitions or rank. And, uh, and we, we had a great run and the run continues. I mean, we are so fortunate uh, that we can still compete. Mm-hmm. Yes. In fact, after that business meeting, I've got an hour from now, I'll be on a golf course competing. You know, <laughs> I tend to take a lot of money off these guys today. You know. If you like what you hear, please tell someone about us. As soon as this episode is over, go tell your spouse, your closest friend, a parent, a coworker, or share one of our posts on social media. However, if you don't like what you're hearing, please do not. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anybody. Just disregard this message. Don't worry about it. Forget about us. Yep. Go on with your merry day. And to get more information about us or our entire catalog of episodes, be sure to check us out at kevinandsteph.com. Thank you for listening to Tell Us a Good Story. General, I know you've got a crazy busy schedule. You're on lots of boards. We didn't talk about the third degree, the column. Well, we have some time. We have some time. I've got seven minutes. I mean, you, that's right. We do. I'm timing it too, General. You can you could brief the end of the world in four. <laughs> I mean, I'm so it's please three. Share about that, please. No, no, I don't. It, it, again, it sounds like a darn commercial, but uh, I've always liked to write. You know, so I'm a yes. writer, and uh, I came up with the idea a couple of years ago that I get so tired of people trying to drive stuff down my throat with respect to half facts uh, or opinion being parceled out as the verity of life and just blatant lies being told that affect the totality of the American experience or the world experience. So I said, well, why don't we start a column called the third degree? And the premise is that I have total confidence in your ability to make your own decisions about those public and private matters in your life. And every week, I reserve the right to ask hard questions on those same subjects. And every Sunday for the last almost three years now, I've been publishing The Third Degree, where I ask questions on a particular subject. 
and then ask questions. Because as Socrates reminds, the unexamined life is not worth living. So you can see it online at thirddegreeus.com, and you can sign up, but it's very expensive. So cost you a cup of coffee a month. A month, and, okay. if, and then if you don't think it's worth it, you get your money back. So, you know, I'm a great businessman in that regard. Well, that's fantastic. So we will put a link to that in the show notes so people can click right on it and go to... On the third degree? Oh, that'll yes. be good. Oh. And to your email as well. Yes. You can put my email if they want to get a book. And if somebody wants to get involved in hypersonic air, we've got an opportunity coming there that uh, I think would be fun. You know, there's a question that comes to us all. And that is, when do you know your life's mission is complete? That's a great question. Can I answer the question? Please. I love that. If you're breathing, it isn't. (laughs) I was thinking it was going to be this mind-blowing thing, General. No, look, all I did was give you a fastball that you hit out of the park because you believe the same thing. As long as you're breathing, you've got work to do. Mm, Yes. That's good. You guys keep breathing, huh? Yeah, we do. Yes. We do. Okay. We'll try. Nice to be with you today. Listeners, for more information about General Borling, like you said, you can go to his email address, you can go to his column, and I will put all of those links in our show notes and on our website so you can click right on it. So, General, thank you again for all you've done in serving our country. Well, I would hope flight paths may cross. And one more thought. You said thanks for serving the country. Again, I'm one of many. I heard something yesterday at a lunch that an old vet said, you know, that's nice that people say that. He said, why don't they just say thank you for our freedoms? I like that. Do you prefer one over the other? Oh, I I don't need any recognition. I've had much more than anyone would ever deserve. I just want to hang on to that orientation to the future to that. I said it before, keep marching and uh, see how far we can get. Friends, we want to encourage you to please follow us wherever you listen to this, whether it's on the Apple Podcast app, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or one of the other platforms. You guys, it's completely free. And while you're there, feel free to give us a rating or a nice review. Thank you for listening to Tells a Good Story.